Welcome to the Stats Check Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Joe. Follow us on Facebook at Stats Check Podcast and Twitter at Stats Check Cast. Now to this random interval update, traditions. So we're coming at you between the, I don't, I'm not going to say Holy Trinity because, well, I guess I'd have to include Halloween, but, you know, between Thanksgiving. It's part of it. Right. No, for me it is. That, that's a great one. But, you know, we have Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? And maybe a Hanukkah in there, too. Depends on the time of year where that falls, at, at which year it is, I guess I should say. Sure. But, I mean, this, this surprised me. I mean, just, you know, if we're talking about holidays, we're talking about traditions, you came at me to pitch this pretty assertively. Yeah. That surprised me. I mean, this is like back-to-back casts where you come up with an idea. I'm kind of doubtful. It worked out last time. I think I think it generates our best content because you know you're you're very good about being passionate about pretty much anything. Well, thank you. I I gotta be worked up. You gotta sauce me up. I I'm still I'm still on the bottle. I need it sometimes. But you're gonna have to then prove to me right now that you're passionate about this because you are the guy that I know. You don't even do Thanksgiving turkey dinner. You go out. You went out to Flanagan's a couple times, if I remember correctly, on Thanksgiving. Heck yes. Yes, I, I've gone out to Flanagan's on Thanksgiving with you sometimes, motherfucker. And in addition, you know, one of the things I've done over the last, I think, two or three Thanksgivings is travel. So I, I haven't even gone home. Um, you know, I was in Brazil last year, Canada this year. And, you know, that's become a, almost tradition. Right. And I think I think this is a, a great way to sort of approach how we're going to tackle this topic overall, because we're talking about the same time, but really moving in different directions. You know, lots of people think of it as a time to go home, regardless of where they are. And you're talking about, you know, not just not going back to where the rest of your family is, but going somewhere very far afield. Yeah. And I, and I think what what I wanted to do was not just talk about what Thanksgiving is, talk about you know, the, the pillaging of Native Americans or, you know, the you know, reappropriation of uh, Saturnalia, you know, for, for Christmas or the, you know, Yule trees. <laughs> some, from... Somebody did some homework. I like it. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I, I don't really care about the specific tradition. I, I really care about traditions writ large. So that is what is important to you, what you repeat on a daily basis and kind of getting down into the, the definition of what is a tradition and is it worthwhile? What is it about a tradition that resonates with you? Because I don't give a shit about events and things which you just do that are hollow, that don't have any impact on you internally or externally, that you just repeat out of rote tradition. I mean, if you're getting up and saying the pledge you know, every day in class, but really not meaning it, what value does that have as a tradition? It's not a tradition. For me, it, it's something that means something to you, that has an impact on your life, that changes you uh, for the better or perhaps for the worse, internally or externally. It, it's, it's funny you pick you know, exactly that, you know, sort of a musical component. I was having this sort of discussion today at work because people have, you know, as soon as the Thanksgiving holiday was over, they broke out the trim. They broke out the lights, the little bushes and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's full Christmas mode. It's not even December yet. And, you know, I opined to some of my closer colleagues that nobody 
must actually like Christmas music on its own merits. I mean, I personally don't like it. I don't think it's that good. But my theory was that nobody else actually likes it either, even though they're playing it, they're singing along. Right. Because in this day and age, if they did actually like it, they could listen to it, play it, sing it whenever they like. You know, it's not like in ancient dark times where, you know, the church is in the town square and they've got the only organ for miles. And so whatever is on their playlist, the whole town's going to have to listen to. If you're listening to Christmas music on your iPod, it could be any time. But if you're specifically only doing it at this period of time, I think it probably has more to do with what you're talking about in terms of a, a repetition in that childhood setting, like the Pledge of Allegiance in public schools where it's just a classical conditioning, you know, this is what is supposed to complement this time or this space. And it's not operating on a level of your conscious preferences. It's operating on a different level in your persona. Sure. And I think that that's, that's something that's something important to distinguish, you know, something that is operating in the foreground of your mind that you're really processing, experiencing, delving into versus something that's kind of like running in the background. Like, you know, you've got this kind of Christmas OS that's booted up and you know that during that there are, you know, there's music, there's decorations, you know, there's trees, there's mall Santas, you know, and there's good feelings, there's eggnog, there's mulled wine, there's, you know, gifts, things that make you feel good. What? What is mulled wine? Mold wine? You don't know about Glühwein? You've never... Okay, so just to be clear, you know, I grew up in Miami, but I was not raised with really a Christmas tradition. So you're going to have to tell me something. Oh, I'm sorry for the um, uh, non-Gentile here. Well, that's not entirely fair either, but we're not going to dig into that. Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, no, I, I did not always have mulled wine for, for Christmas. I mean, my uncle and aunt would make it sometimes. It's spiced wine that's, you know, cooked over a, a fire, heated up, and it, it's quite nice with some cinnamon. No actual mold. No, no, mo- no mold, mold, no mold, M-U-L-L-E-D. Oh, uh, okay. Like mulling with spices. So Got it, got it. Yeah, so anyways, good stuff. But, you know, like, like gingerbread, like anything else, it's very seasonal for the fall and winter. Hmm. Especially if you go to the Weihnachtsmarkt in, uh, you know, Austria, Switzerland, or Germany, uh, you know, you're gonna have these these cups. I've got one in my place. I'll show you. But you know, the, the the traditions for for Christmas. I mean, I think you know we. It depends on where you are. It's regional, right? I mean, in Miami, we have Noche Buena, which you're very familiar with. I'm very familiar with. And mm-hmm. I think for our listeners, you know, that's a night. That's the night before Christmas, the good night. You know, where. Christ is is coming apparently, and therefore you must kill a pig and fire off fireworks and light big fires. It's really huge. And I I benefited from this a lot. You know, when I was growing up, my neighbors were two brothers who had come over from Cuba and married, and they lived in this duplex and they had a large extended family. And this was such an event for them that at a certain point, they decided to carve out a space of their backyard which wasn't all that big considering the other things they had back there, and build this entire cinder block roasting pit specifically for this one night for this one pig. They never used it the other 364 days of the year, but you could always tell the day before Christmas because you'd wake up and you would smell it. I mean, my actual bedroom was like six feet from this thing, so I always knew when they got started. 
Mm, yeah. So, you know, that's that's to Miami. You know, I mean, one thing we'll never have is a white Christmas down there, right? Or, or here in Orlando where I'm at right now. I mean, it's just not something that happens. So, you know, there's certain traditions we don't have. And I think for everybody's family, it's different. Some people open presents on the night before Christmas or perhaps open one present then and then the rest the next day. Some open it all in the morning, some open it in the evening, some have to go to church first. I mean, there's all sorts of different traditions, right? And then you have weird things like advent calendars that I know nothing about, but really spread it out. Those are more, you know, that that's more of a European tradition, you know, and, you know, they're, they're really all over the place. I mean, when I was in Poland, you know, they had a series of meals uh, kind of leading up to Christmas and, and um, you know, one of them had seven vegetarian dishes and that was all you had was all vegetarian meals. And then the next meal was seven different meats. So, um, you know, eventually you're eating chihuahua. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, and, and I guess what I want to say is, that is a cultural divide, right? That is between different cultures, different places. But then you go further. You go to the individual level and you go to what you do in your home with your family. Now, that may be, you know, sitting around and watching old samurai movies, right? That may be, you know, watching The Lord of the Rings. My mom really likes to do that. That's something that I think like is almost her Christmas tradition is she'll want us to put either on The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings for her, you know, around holiday time. What did you ever do growing up before those? Uh, I I don't know what I did. <laughs> tried to tried my best to to stay out of the way, and I and I think the importance you know it gets down to the importance of of where the value is. I mean, and and you know tradition in connecting with the past. I think there's still a power there. I mean, you know, I do feel you know a, a kinship when I feel like I'm connecting with my ancestors and my family and the people who've done things before me you know, and also even my friends that have done things before me. But at the same time, and this is the kind of pull, I feel the need to do something on my own, to do something fresh, to do something new, to make sure that it means a lot to me personally, which means challenging those traditions, which means mixing them up, which means doing things different. And and in fact, certain things have become traditions for me that are as valuable as anything else. One of the things I'll bring up right now is Joe and I, Every time I'm in Miami, we go to the same Indian place. True. And that is about a tradition for me. I tell my mom and she already understands because she knows where we're going. I'm not even going to drop the name because I don't want you guys getting this uh, hot fire tikka and uh, naan. I I could respect that. Yeah. I mean, normally I would love to give them the props they're due, but you're right. We have to guard it a little jealously because it does get pretty busy in there. Yeah. But yeah, I I thought of the same thing when you mentioned this topic and I was thinking it over because this happens on pretty much a quarterly basis at this rate. Yeah. And it's been a running streak for years now. And, you know, it's a little business, it's a little pleasure, but it's pretty much invariable. And, and, and you know, I've made some big announcements on that. You know, I mean, I remember when I was engaged, right? I, I announced that there, right? I mean, that was, that was where the whole crew found out. And, you know, I've, you know, come back and held councils there and, 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 you know, we've talked business, we've talked pleasure, we've planned for Dragon Con, you know, we've, we've done a lot. And, you know, that to me, and that sort of, you know, hey, we're doing this thing we both love, and we're reconnecting, that has so much value. That's like, that's value city to me. And, you know, that's an example of a positive tradition that I think is, is beneficial for, for everybody. And, 
I, I, I'm hesitant to approach this because I know where you're going. We, we thought this over and... Yeah, no, and I'll, I'll go there if you don't want to go there. But I'm saying that, you know, we have to think about where traditions lead us. Because, I, I mean, that's, once again, one of the most positive examples. But then we have negative examples. And, you know, a negative example can be something as simple as, you know, going to going to church, even though you're going there and you know you've been shamed by the pastor or they've tried to exercise a demon from you. Say what? Well, like that happened. Have you to watched of, this happen? It happened to one of our friends. What? Our acquaintances. I, I'm not going to say names on a podcast, but I mean. Right, but you watched this happen? No, no, but I've watched that happen in general to other people on like TV and whatnot. I've watched oh, okay, people right. being exercised. And if I assume that the same thing happened to this individual, th- that's a pretty traumatic experience. All right. No, I mean, I, I'm just I'm I, I'm genuinely coming to this from a space of ignorance because I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've been inside a church while it's been operating for its primary function. So I really I find it mysterious what goes on within the Christian tradition. I I, I think you came to church with me once, right? Yes, I went with you once. I went to like some preschool acquaintances first communion. Mm-hmm. And I've been to like one funeral, one wedding, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's not much, man. No, it's not. And, and these are all like different. It's like two Catholic, uh, one of whatever you are. And... Protestant. Was Protestant. I converted. Now I'm back to frolicking in the wild. Okay. I, I mean, we can talk about that too later, but. Sure, sure. And the last one, I have no idea either, but. It, it, it was it was a spur of the moment thing. I went, I bought the suit to attend the wedding in, and I returned it the next day. Nice, I approve that tactic. But yeah, no, that that's that's an example. You know, once again, if you were picked on or something like that in that context, or you know, even you know, reenacting some bad situations from your childhood. You know, maybe I was in middle school or whatever when you know, or you're picked on or something like. I imagine some situations I was in where you know I was you know, teased and picked on or whatever. And, and going back into that scenario would dredge that up. And we don't have to approach it on such a personal level either. I mean, you're getting pretty close to home for yourself, but I want to introduce a different dimension to this too. You know, we've been focusing on that very individual experience, but, you know, if we're just talking about the Thanksgiving weekend, this is a great juxtaposition of two different things. You know, you have this imagined, you know, home setting that's very close confidential and, you know, hand to hand sometimes. Sure. And then the very next day, you have a different kind of hand to hand experience in this country, where you're part of an impersonal mass on Black Friday, you know, struggling to the death for, for what, you know, I I think is really the way I think of it. And I think that's a great example, Joe, of a societal level probably negative tradition. I mean, we're just going to bring that up. I'm going to say it's definitely a negative tradition. If there are casualties on what is nominally a holiday, I I don't think it's that good. I don't think there's all... I I think a lot of that is is more hype and, hey, we're going to replay the reel here. But that it happens at all. I mean, how many people... I don't know how many people have died because of, you know, with with the causal link being directly to Black Friday. I know it's not zero. I'm going to say probably more than die in scraps over the Thanksgiving dinner table 
with, you know, some crusty relative. I don't know, man. There's some real crusty crabs out there. Okay. I mean, it would be it would be a good contrast to draw. You know, what are your Thanksgiving Day casualties versus your Black Friday casualties? There are probably stats out there. I'd be interested to know. There, there's a graph. There, there, yeah, there's, there's definitely stats. But I think that's a good example. And I think that, you know, once again, there's individual level bad traditions. And Joe and I have had our share of those personally. But I think that you need to reassess that. I think you need to look at something, even if you've been doing it for a long time, even if it's something your friends do, and say, hey, why am I dragging myself through this, causing myself this suffering, this anxiety, this grief? What does this consumerism of Black Friday really gain for me? You know, what is my upshot? If I look at how much money I'm quote unquote saving, it probably isn't that much. And it definitely isn't in contrast to the amount of stress of, ha- of having to put yourself in that position. You know, camp out there, wait in front of the store, deal with other people. Well, and this is what's strange about it is that I know I, and have known people that enjoy that kind of thing. And I can't help but find that a little perverse in some ways and wonder how they got to be that way. I don't know that anybody... Joe, do you doubt that they authentically enjoy that? No, no, no. That's that's not what I mean. I I think they, in their conscious experience, get positive feedback from it. And there could be good reasons for that. They may be going with friends or family, or they may even, you know, if you're talking about waiting in line, they may meet strangers that they have a positive experience with. But there are other ways to do that. And I think in a very narrow way, focusing it in on what is macro level, a dysfunctional kind of experience is something that takes a little bit of sort of psychological acrobatics that you that they themselves may not pay attention to. Or even if they do, they may not have a position to say like, well, this is a little strange. I'm going to stop doing it. They may not be able to extricate themselves from it if the pros outweigh the cons in however they're reckoning it, or if there are too many connections they've already made, commitments they've already made. And, and I don't, you know, I, I was teasing this out a bit at work today too, partly playing the role of that crusty person in the conversation. But I think something like, you know, for, again, a Florida reference here, the the Disney World vacation sort of falls into the same space. You know, a lot of people make that a tradition, especially as Florida residents where you have an annual pass, you have a supposedly an easier way to get there, but you're still going through this partly mechanized kind of process for a vacation. You know, you're waiting in lines, you're going to an experience that is intended to be artificially sort of surreally similar each time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's sort of the opposite of what you opened this up with about, you know, what you like to do to reach out, to broaden your horizons, to connect to different things. I mean, yes, repetition is important, both for forming traditions and for maintaining them. And there are good things that come out of that, can. But I think there's a point where we lose our ability to really assess where we are in it because we're immersed in it. I think this is something that's come up in other casts we've had in the past. And, you know, this is, I guess, a concrete real life kind of example of it. And, 
you know, I may have this all wrong because I wasn't part of that. So I may be missing some important nuances there. But I'm just saying this, looking from the outside, looking at people that I know or have known and, you know, not judging them for their choices, because I don't think in some ways it's always a matter of choice. I mean, even as a matter of preference before that, you don't always have control over your preferences. They're formed through that kind of experience you get as a child. You know, if you grow up in the shadow of Disney World as a Florida kid, then yeah, of course, it's going to be on your mind. It's going to represent something to you. Right. And yeah, it could represent good memories. It's meant to make good memories. I don't want to bash the intention of the experience. I no, just, look, look, I, I've got an annual pass myself. I go there every once in a while, but I, you know, I also uh, look at the situation the same way. I say, look, I see these people. I meet them on a daily basis, you know, not daily, but weekly basis. I'm down in that area. I represent some of the communities around there. I'm, I'm in that zone a lot. Right. I almost forgot. I don't want to bash any of your clients either, right? Well, yeah, no. One of my clients just got, I'm very proud of it today. I negotiated a deal with Disney to allow some signs to Keep go up. Keep them out of Cloud City forever? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> pray, pray I don't change the deal once again. <laughs> and that's literally where we're at right now. We're at like, we got a good deal. Let's run very quickly with this deal and get everything signed with, with Disney. But The thing is, is that, you know, I, and I'm going to use that example because I think it's a great one. You know, I see these people enjoying themselves. I believe that their subjective experience is positive. However, for me, if I was going through the same process, yes, it's entertaining a few times, but, you know, I went two or three times with a friend, uh, with different friends, sorry, over the month of November. And by like the third or fourth time, I was like, I really don't want to do this. And, you know, I, I thought about this. I it brought up this, you know, tradition thing. And I thought that, you know, if it gets to the point where you're feeling like that, you need to change the behavior, you know, and, and figure out something else that's going to make you happy, that's going to satisfy you. And, you know, just say no to the experience, even if it's a tradition. You know, if you're going to a family event that's always been there, but you are miserable, you're suffering. I mean, at some point, you should say no for yourself to go out to try to see if you can find something else. And sometimes, sometimes when you go out and you see what else is out there, you come back and realize there's some value to what you were doing before. But you can't do that unless you put a stop to whatever your current tradition is and go out there and do something else. And for me, I feel like this is the the crux here, you know, and it's a crux of a lot of the podcasts, a lot of the things we talk about, even with friendship. You know, this draw between making new friends, leaving yourself open to experiences, open to people, open to things in the world. I'm feeling personally attacked right now. Versus sticking in the trenches with people you've ridden with forever. And, you know, and dividing time, dividing efforts, dividing labor. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And I think it comes back to, you know, where's the value? And how is it moving your, you know, your life forward? And that's something I'm constantly assessing. But I want to come at this from a different angle, too. I, I, I like where you're going with this, but I want to introduce a different way of analyzing it. So you're talking specifically about, you know, the individual's experience going through a traditional repetition and iteration of, you know, a broader kind of event, whether that's a holiday, a vacation, something like that. But there are traditions that exist I don't want to say because of, but they exist, their existence 
sustains something that has social goods that go beyond the individual. And sometimes this is hard to recognize. And I'm going to actually, you know, cast the light on myself here for a bit. I'm the kind of person, as I am now, who doesn't celebrate my birthday and I don't really care for it. Yep. This is a break actually from my distant youth where, you know, every year it was actually a pretty sizable event. Lots of people went, you know, we would go to the Museum of Science here in Miami pretty routinely and, you know, had good times there to the point where I still sometimes even have dreams to this day where that's the setting. But aside from that, you know, in my, you know, more mature life, physically mature life, I don't want to say that I've matured very much emotionally since I was 10 years old, but I've really kind of shunned it, scorned it, avoided it because I didn't want to be in that situation. But a way I was presented with it more recently, I, was, I still want to say a couple of years ago, I haven't acted on this kind of thinking, but there's something about that gathering that is good for more than just whoever the birthday child is. All the other people gathered around there are there to feel good, to build connections, to celebrate as well. It doesn't matter in some ways whose birthday it is. People just want to join together and we'll find a good excuse for it. And here's an excuse that happens every year. Yep. And and that's exactly how I use my birthday. I'll just throw that out there. I mean, mm-hmm. I use it always as an excuse to get people together, to say, look, it's my birthday, bitches. You're going to do what I want to do, and everybody's going to come together on this day. It's a good excuse. You know, people can give you a pass. Nobody's going to bitch about, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It's my birthday. I get to choose what we're doing. So, so confession time. I don't remember what day your birthday's on. Oh, motherfucker. Look, I'm bad with this. I think I remember maybe... F- I know exactly when yours is. Well, yes. I might be confused but, with somebody else, but it's Right, in that's the, the zone. thing. One of the reasons I don't like it is because I have, have known at least two other people that have it on the same week. It's February and there's don't a one in Don't say that shit. And there's a one in front. That's I'll all edit it out. No, I'll, <laughs> I'll admit it. I, I, I'm an Aquarius... I will sometimes lie to people and say my star sign is Ophiuchus, but I'm an Aquarius and it eerily fits. Not that I follow that stuff. I I don't follow that stuff either, but Leo does fit me as well. But they're all written so that they can be generally applicable to almost any human. So, you know, we all have, it's like the Myers-Briggs. We all have some of these traits inside of us. Right. Well, I I don't want to go into it. That's a different cast. For personality tests and horoscopes. All right. Horoscope cast is coming up, guys. That could be a tradition too. Yeah. So you, I'm not even asking when it is, but it is. And August, it's in August. That's a good thing to do with it, but not every kind of gathering like that has those positive externalities that spin off of it. And I'm going to point the finger now back for myself back onto Disney. Yes, they're in the business of generating good experiences. But even as you're sort of alluding to with these Star Wars imperial references that you're making here, there is some kernel of that feeling in the air outside of the mouse's own house. Mm -hmm. And it's not unwarranted. And so the cost of those good experiences is something that has to be borne by lots of people around there both financially and psychologically. I mean, to say nothing of the ecological footprint 
Disney World. I don't even imagine what that's like. Not as bad as you think, but still. I, I, I don't, a totally different cast is also about how those kind of footprints are reckoned and, you know, the life cycle analysis of different products and processes and what those catch and what those miss. Sure. I, I have to think that there's some issue about like drinkable water in central Florida that their mere existence has a huge impact on whether it's counted well or not. Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of interesting background stuff in that. But I mean, that's not as important as the background of, you know, what drives a person to set that as a tradition, you know, and and I think what you brought up earlier is a good point. I think we all have kind of anchoring references, you know, saying, look, when I was a child, I did this. For example, even today, I was talking about how much I love North Carolina and going up there. And that comes from me as a child, since I was literally a baby until I was about 16, 17 years old, I would go up to North Carolina during the summer and stay in my grandparents' cabin hmm. in the mountains. And I think that has a big part on, number one, why I like to you know, get out and travel and do stuff. And number two, why I like you know, nature and why it's so kind of peaceful for me. Because you know, coming from the city, coming from the jungle you know, of Miami, you don't get that. You know, I'd never seen a fucking firefly before or, or had a cold night. Like during the, we go up during the summer, Joe, and it would still be freezing to me because I wasn't used to it getting cold at night. Yeah, it, it's I want to say a whole bunch of things about this, but I'll start off with, you know, it was maybe in the 60s Fahrenheit here today in a rare cold snap. I was walking into work. A guy was walking out wearing a pea coat, a scarf and a knit cap. The last time I dressed that way, it was half that much on the Fahrenheit scale. But here was this guy in sunny Miami, not a cloud in the sky at the time, looking like he was about to go into the frigid north. I'm not going to lie. I almost wore a peacoat today in Orlando, oh. but it is colder up here than it is there. It is down there. Still, I left my peacoat behind in New York because there was no purpose for me to bring it back. Oh, I was going to say, was that like the subtle deaths or? Uh... <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Shots fired. No, it was because I couldn't fit any more in my car, and I was already taking my nicer coat. <laughs> all right, all right. But that's a totally different story that I'd love to tell sometime. But no, so going back, <laughs> sure, going back sure. to what we're talking about here, you know, that idea of, you know, you having those experiences going to North Carolina is something that, in its own way, was reflected in your life and was communicated through your life. You know, I went with you to North Carolina for a few different reasons. Yep. And a few different places in the state. And I found myself liking the environment there. I mean, the people there, you know, I hear strange things all the time, but. Sure, but we're from Florida too. We get strange shit right, happening here all the time. No, I mean, I, you know, forgive us for the error of our ways, you know, Skeletor is going to DC. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was, you know, person to person. I had a good time there with everyone I interacted with. And I found myself thinking on our most recent trip there last year that, yeah, you know, this is the kind of environment that I could see myself retiring to when finally my body degrades to the point where it matches the decrepitness of my mind. Right. And I think that one of the things that was interesting to me was, you know, especially going on this trip to Canada was, you know, being like, oh, it's so nice. It's so peaceful. I really want to go there. I want to go back there, you know, and and my impetus to go to, let's say, North Carolina versus to go somewhere new. I'd never been to Canada before. 
Um, there, I was on Vancouver Island. There's lots of mountains. Lots Wait of a sec. You have been to Canada before. You went to GP Vancouver. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I've never been to this part of Canada. Before. Right, right, right. All right. I've all been right. to Vancouver, the city, but that's on the mainland. This is an island. Right. I, I just want to set the record straight. This is very true. I did go to GP Vancouver. I almost got into day two. But Orzov being neither here nor there, <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, how fulfilling is this to go to this new place to discover a place where I've never been and a place where, frankly, I may never go back before I die. I may be the, that may be the only time I ever see that place in my entire life. And that was a sense of fulfillment that really meant a lot to me. But at the same time, every time I do that and am fulfilled that way, I'm giving up on the fulfillment of going back to somewhere where I've already gone before, to going to, to North Carolina and reliving that nostalgia, to going somewhere to visit friends, to going somewhere to visit family. That's right. You didn't come down here Thanksgiving weekend to hang out with your old crew. That's right. That's right. Shame. Ch yes. You're being publicly shamed here on behalf of everybody else we came up with. And that's, and that's where it is right there. That's the, that's the crux right there. You know, there's this, this fulfillment and there's the, uh, the nagging wife that you've got. Well, you know, look, when we sit around at our new monthly barbecue tradition at, you know, our friend Will's house. Which is what, like two months going on now? Maybe three max? Oh, no, it's, it's a few more than that. He's been living in the house long enough for a rented room guest to have worn out his welcome. <laughs> as we have tangentially documented on this cast on different occasions. No, he's been living there long enough. He's had that grill running you know, with hot fire and good sausages coming off quite some time now. And we've had a good time. But yeah, when your name comes up, it's like, oh, you know, he didn't come down again. Yeah. You know, you, you are that rare migratory bird. And we, we, we do miss you, not just because we need the extra bodies at the draft. <laughs> like the drafts that don't fire because I don't come down. You, you are the one who loves the limited format more than anyone else I know. So don't it's, even it's don't very even true. But no, I, I, I get what you're saying about, you know, that opportunity cost of branching out versus sticking to what is I, I want to say, you know, comfortable and comforting in a lot of ways. Because look, we're, we're, and I'll bring it back our tradition even. You know, we go to the same restaurant. We are forfeiting going to any other Indian restaurant or any other restaurant in general. But let's just be clear here. There's no doubt in either of our minds that when we're sitting there, we're sitting at the top of what is within our reach in Miami. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I've told people it's the best I've had in the world so far. I've not gone to India. I have gone to London. I have been to other places where there's, you know, significant culture that involves some curry. But <laughs> it, it is it is the best I've had so far. I, I'm sure we're gonna get some sore feelings in London then. I mean, for you to say that, but yeah, no, I threw it down intense. there. London, London, come at me, bro. I'm ready. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know you're calling. But <laughs> so, I mean, where I wanted to go with that, you know, sort of you know, ties that into, I think what I was trying to say before, you know, going back versus reaching out. And sometimes it's not up to you anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been times where when I've been in a fit of nostalgia or, 
just been looking for a particular experience, I'd wanted to go back to a place and that place no longer exists. Yeah. The landscape has changed. Things that I attached sentimental value to and more no longer physically exist, whether they be, you know, geological formations or architectural ones. And, you know, I've been lucky in most cases to at least have collected some keepsakes, some mementos, some images of things that I care about out there in the world. But it's not up to me whether these things are preserved or not. You know, yeah, great historical artifacts and locations are defended by confluences of interest that care about them. Sure, but but at the same time, Tito's Liquor Store, you know, which meant a lot to us Rip. in uh, in high school, you know, I mean, that, that's never coming back. It's gone. Tito is, Tito's moved on. Right, yeah. And, and we, we, you know, we have poured out plenty of his own former product to bemoan that fact, and rightly so, because for my life, for our shared lives, for good or ill, mostly for ill, I'm going to say, if we're going to loop back around that, you know, that had an impact. It was worth noting. I point to it every time we go by. Yep. And it's it's not up to us. And, you know, that that provokes, you know, a strange feeling sometimes because sometimes what you see replace the things you care about is something that not just doesn't mean anything to you, but could mean something offensive to you instead. I mean, not not like mortally offensive. I'm not talking about like graven images here, but just running it cross purposes to what your recollection was. That suddenly, you know, a place that you liked for a certain reason has been overrun with something that, you know, you don't really have a taste for. And it leaves you feeling uncomfortable because you want to hold on to that positive memory, but you're being confronted with a material fact that contests it. Yeah. And let, let's put this out there. It's like, for example, let's say you had a favorite pizza place and they changed the recipe for the pizza. Oh, that's a good one. That, that's, that's, that's one of the, you know, common ones. I, I know that, you know, I used, I still, and I still enjoy it, you know, Cazola's, but I know that a lot of people will complain down there that, Hey, the slices got smaller, whatever. They hiked the price up, you know, double or, or uh, the recipe is not the same. I mean, they've got they've got a monopoly on the good pizza market in that section of Miami. They can hike the price up. And also they're open late night still. Um, but right, yeah. once again, not as late. They used to be open until 4 or 5 a.m. Now I think it's like 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah. I mean, on holidays, I think they still keep it running late, but it varies. But again, that, you know, that is part of that holiday tradition, you know. Right. Let's talk about a different one. You know, you like you go out on like your Halloween, your New Year's, your Fourth of July down here. If you're in that section of Miami, you know, your last stop after all the revelry is done is usually someplace like Casola's or Flanagan's, you know, a late night spot. And so, yeah, for me, for us, I would say, you know, that's got a special place in our hearts. You know, heaven forbid they ever remove that place. I don't know what I would do, especially if they put up, say, a chain pizza spot on top of its footprint. Yeah, that that would be, I, I mean, you know, that that would be a heinous crime to me. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's what you're saying. You know, sometimes you go back and and something's changed like that, but sometimes there's other things that have happened. For example, you know, sometimes maybe you've gone in there and that's a place where you had a serious fight with your significant other, or 
you know, some dramatic event happened there, or, you know, you, um, you know, had sand thrown in your eye at a certain corner of the beach. Oh, oh come on. Why, why you, gonna, you just wanted to do this so you could drag out all my dirty laundry in one place, you know, and wet the appetite of the listeners for my, you know, public misery here. <laughs> That's part of this cast. I mean, if you, if you want it, I'll give it, but... <laughs> That's part of this cast, Joe. That's, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, you, you have things that come up and, you know, there is one thing I, I think I've said before and I'll say it again, but, you know, one thing I like to remind everybody and, and to swing it around positive again is you can't control what, you can't always control what happens to you. Some things are just going to happen. Some things in your life are just going to, you know, get done, but you can handle how you react to it. And how you deal with that. And, you know, maybe you deal with that by starting to go somewhere else. Maybe it's not healthy for you to keep going to this uh, restaurant or place or, or event. Depends on how many slices of that pizza you eat each time. Exactly. If it's dredging up feelings and bile, then you may, may not want to go back. But, you know, think about, think about the way in which you're doing it, the way in which you're, you're thinking about it, and maybe reframe it. You know, it's possible that with the right friends in the right moment, it could be completely different. But you have to make that your own. And that's a conscious effort to make that tradition and own that tradition. And if necessary, redefine it. Just like people are redefining words and reclaiming words, reclaim the tradition, make it your own shit, make it your bitch. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you don't like turkey, fuck turkey, you're gonna have fucking okay. ham, you're gonna have beef, it's gonna be cow giving. You, you mean for Thanksgiving meal, not the spot on the map that we call turkey. I, I just want to be clear no, no, here. No, no, I, I am being very clear. We are not involved in Asia Minor. <laughs> okay. No Asian miners have been harmed in this filming. Look, I'm trying to keep us out of trouble here. You, you, you just, you came to dig us into a hole here today, didn't you? I'm trying to dig us out. I'm trying to save everybody here, Joe, because really what we want is positive tradition. All right, all right. You know, it's going to be like two Vosh the Stampede references running now, right? <laughs> But look, let me let me let me bring you down off of that idealistic high there though. I want to reiterate that mention you had of it being a conscious effort. It is not something that you can wake up and consciously decide, well, I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to change how I relate to places, to people, to my own memories as a human. It's going to take work in its own right. It's going to take time. It's going to take repetition of its own to change that. And I'm going to be honest with you, some of the negative pathological habits and traditions that I've picked up have been directly in response to exactly that kind of thing, where I had a positive memory, a positive habit, tradition, the locus in space of things that I enjoyed and wanted to reminisce about, and it was soured. And my attempts, my novice attempts to try to rearrange my thinking about it or reclaim different parts of my life away from that former touchstone ended up doing more harm than good. And the primary reason for that is, in my retrospection now, that I was trying to do it on my own. Sure. And you just need somebody watching your back 
when you're trying to change the way you live your life, not just to help motivate you along or to help celebrate your successes or ease the blows of your failure, but just to help you also keep on a path that you yourself are going to be happy about and proud of at the end of the road. You know, I did a lot of things trying to change my life that I'm not happy about, I'm not proud of. I I built a lot of traditions up that were worse than the memories that I was trying to get away from by repurposing different places or things around me. Sure. And not every tradition or method you might employ is going to be effective. But there are effective ways. I mean, one that you mentioned right there is involving somebody. I think, you know, talking about stuff and also getting somebody invested in the process and the outcome is a big is a big one. Now, of course, there's lots of pitfalls to that. That's also very hard to do, you know, to ask somebody to come in and be involved in your situation. But there are there are shortcuts to it, too. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, you know, just a birthday, you know, you take a very common happenstance thing, but it's also an occasion that is beneficial to everyone's mental health if it's done in a way that's safe. Right. And I think that there's there, there's definitely a space for that. And, and, but I will say one thing to, to go back a little bit. But, you know, I think I do believe in, to a certain extent, faking it until you make it, because you have to start somewhere. I mean, I'll talk about like myself, like working out, you know, I did not enjoy it at first. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I mean, I don't think most people do. But after, you know, being on a pretty strict schedule for like a year, it's become a habit. You know, and now I absolutely enjoy it. I'm like, oh shit, I haven't gotten like my fucking pump in today. I gotta go get that there. You know, I gotta go head to the gym. Um, or, you know, hey, I'm short this, you know, this muscle group, I'm gonna go out there and, and do that. You know, and that took me a while to develop. And a certain amount of time you have to say, Hey, look, I'm not gonna enjoy this at first. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna <laughs> suck. This but I'm gonna go out and do it anyways. You know, I, I'm gonna and and you can do that with a lot of things. That could be with, you know, talking to people if you're really shy. You know, it could be with, you know, a particular skill, you know, public speaking. It could be with a language skill, you know, going out and practicing. I mean, you just have to go out and do it. Again, I just want to bring this back around because your references to all of this workout motivation stuff, there's a whole family of memes that exist that transpose those kind of text messages onto images of people drinking liquor at bars. Sure, sure. And I just want to be clear that the same kind of method and self-coaching and self-hyping can go in either direction. Because every single thing you said is probably something I thought or felt about, you know, going through some dark times in my life with no other companion but Captain Morgan. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You can definitely talk yourself into that and get yourself into that habit. I mean, if instead of picking up the dumbbell, I picked up the bottle... I, I would be balls deep right now. And, you know, part of it is having to, you know, cut yourself off from that and also separate what's going to be positive for you from what's going to be negative for you. And it's just hard to see when you're in the moment, when you're immersed in your own life, you know, what habits, what traditions, what events, what connections, you know, if you're talking about the unpleasant influences around the dinner table, when you go back to sit with family. You know, it's hard to see sometimes what's good and what's not so good. You know, there were people who we shared holiday events with who at the time, you know, we probably were appreciative of. But in retrospect, we would say, 
no, actually, they weren't looking out for us. They weren't really doing things that were in our interests, you know, as young, impressionable people. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that. And that, that's also why you have to be careful when you conscript somebody to try to help you or bring you along. You have to say, who is, you know, what is this person? Where are their priorities? Where are they? And are they in a place that I want to get to? Or can they bring me to a place where I want to get to? I mean, let me put it this way. I'm not going to ask the person who, you know, the guy, the guy who's beating his wife, I'm not going to ask him for relationship advice, right? I'm not going to say, hey, bro, you know, I want to get into a really healthy relationship. How do you do that? And he's like, oh, hold on, hold on, you know, push wife down the stairs. Oh, yeah, no. So what you really do is you got to really communicate. You're just firing on all cylinders tonight. What is with you? Every example has been to 11. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how we do this podcast. This is stats check. We're bringing the stats to be outrageous so they can be bricked. Well, yeah, okay. Well, th- this this is my traditional role then is trying to reel you back in yep. when you reach the heights of excess. And and like I'm saying, like it goes it goes for anything. I'm not going to ask somebody, you know, I'm not going to ask somebody who, you know, is a compulsive drinker how to, you know, lead a healthy lifestyle. Oops. Yeah. Well, I I did I haven't solicited <laughs> Well, hey, now you're 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 Mormon now, so you're clear. Well, okay, you you you've cast me in like three different denominations at this point. <laughs> I, I I am not practicing <laughs> any such thing. Ex, you know the 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 holy days that I celebrate for again good or ill fall on a different calendar. So what I'm saying is. Choose wisely. I'm, I think one of the, the things that you, you know, should always think about is who you're choosing and conscripting to, to go along with you, you know. And I'm not going to get back into the friendship episode stuff, but, you know, I, I, I do believe that that has a strong influence on what the outcome is in the end. Right. But I don't think going back to that is going to, you know, be a, the most helpful reference either, because in a lot of these things, you know, the formative experiences, the formative traditions it's also a matter of family. You know, your immediate genetic or guardian progenitors are going to be the ones that have a huge impact and you don't get to choose those and you don't really have equal standing when you're going through the experiences that start you up. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what makes it a little harder. And I don't think to or want to get into the value of family and fam- familial connections. I mean, that is a, that is a deep, interesting topic. But it is something for an entirely different cast. But I think that that's well, you're open to it. You know, I've been trying to draw you into some more, you know, of what you would consider perhaps esoteric areas, and you've been a little resistant. Well, listen, nobody wants to be bored bored by you know by by Ben Stein over here. You know, it has been decades probably since I've gotten that crack. Yeah. So that, that's that's a good that's a good callback. That's. Vintage. Look, when when the monologue is there, it's there. But it's still it's still something worth discussing, you know. Generally, mm-hmm. and I think that you know it's it's part environment, part internal, and you know part out of your out of your control. You know, it's just by by luck of where you're born, where you are. You know, if we were sitting in you know China or in Saudi Arabia or in Kenya, we'd have different traditions by default. And we feel different ways about them. Uh, and, and that's something we couldn't control. 
Yeah, th- this podcast would have been a totally different episode if we were in a different cultural setting. And that's a great thing to note, that we're really coming at this from our perspectives, our experiences here. Yeah. Some of them, uh, you know, especially on your part, maybe a little geographically broader. I may have, you know, a, a slight temporal advantage on you being on this earth a little bit longer than you have. Barely. Long enough. And... Nevertheless, you know, those are still a tiny, tiny fraction of the sum of human experience, even just today. Right. And I think that where we're coming from and some of the positions I take, even the position to, you know, be reassessing and have your mind open and and kind of taking a priority off of traditional patterns and adherence with strict adherence with tradition. I think comes from the perspective, my background, you know, where we came up and the fact that we know each other and associated with each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and like in some places, those are fighting words. Yeah. You know, if you tried to pitch this in the wrong tavern, in the wrong place in the world, we'd be, you know, on World Star right now. Exactly. So I, I think that's that's something for everybody to consider. But I think you know, I want everybody going into and, and listeners out there going into the you know holiday season to use it as a time of reflection. And, you know, I don't mean that in a religious sense or a meditative sense. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. But in a sense of just looking at your own traditions and thinking what what you're doing, and if there's some way to optimize your life, to make your life better, to make it more positive, to gain more value, even if that's an incremental change to what you're doing already. You know, even if it's just adding on uh, a time in which, you know, at Thanksgiving, you go around and talk about something you're really thankful for that everybody else, that somebody else did who's there. Or, you know, it's a gift giving sort of thing. You know, you're doing a damn white elephant. I mean, something that is going to bring value to you, whatever that is. And think about that, explore that, and relish in this time and, and this season where we folks get to get together and you know, make an impact on each other's lives. Well, I'm, I'm going to let you get away with the closing monologue here. There's a bunch of stuff in there I would love to dig into, but I, I got the feeling when you're trying to coast out the door now. <laughs> you know, we've been, we've, been, we've been doing this podcast for a while, but, you know, it already feels like a tradition, Joe. And on that note, and we send out a lot of positivity to everybody over this holiday season. Uh, This is Andrew and Joe signing off for this random interval update. Thank you for joining us.